successful media and public affairs consultant, accomplished entrepreneur and national writer and contributor, attorney who served in the Missouri House of Representatives, worked in the White House and CNN, thought leader, entrepreneur, and host who takes the conversation to the next level. Prepare to get rare access to fascinating guests. You're connected. You have the it factor. You've joined Grill Nation. Connect with Jason on Twitter at Jason Grill. Connect with the show on Twitter at Grill Nation Show. And online at GrillNationShow.com. Welcome your host of Grill Nation. Always dressed up and ready to go even in a radio studio. Here's Jason Grill. Hello and welcome to Grill Nation with Jason Grill here on Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com. Appreciate you joining us as well on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and at GrillNationShow.com. I'm on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Also, can find me on Instagram, social media uh, avenues such as Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat at Jason Grill. Follow me there. I've been really Snapchatting a lot recently. It's kind of my new uh, my new deal here. I got Instagram, Snapchat. I, I tweet a lot. Uh, Facebook, not as much, but uh, you can catch all the information about our show. Also, we'll preview our guests on the show on our Snapchat page at Jason Grill. Um, really exciting show today. Uh, very excited to have on uh, Grill Nation show contributor, partner, and guest Clifton Alexander from the Reactor. I call it Reactor, but it's actually probably Reactor Design Studio. You do it all. The owner of that company, he's been on the show last month. He's on the show every month. Uh, really a, a true thought leader in the industry. And uh, he's going to come on the show here in a second. We're going to talk about some hot topics and really get into some deep thoughts about uh, a couple things like brainstorming. There's a new article out uh, in Fast Company that is entitled Brainstorming is Dumb. I know a lot of people we we work with here and are listening actually do a lot of brainstorms. So we're going to go through that article. We're also going to have in the first segment a segment on this guy who actually skydived uh, for stride gum without a chute, a parachute. Uh, was that a good idea, bad idea? How does that affect the brand? But we're going to have Cliff and Alexander, who's a brand expert, design expert, in studio here in a second. We're also going to have Melissa Ingber, who's the vice president of the Aspen Institute. She's the director of the Socrates program, which I had a chance to go through in July, in early July, out there in Aspen, Colorado. I wanted to bring her on today to talk to her about what the Aspen Institute does. She'll be We'll be talking to her from Washington, D.C. today and talk about kind of the Socrates program, what people can expect. They have a great amount of people from all over the world that attend, a lot from the coast, a lot from different countries, uh, you know, a lot from Chicago, but not as many from Kansas City and St. Louis, and that's something that I think needs to change. Uh, and hopefully, uh, with what you hear from Melissa today, you'll take interest in it because it's an amazing institute. They do some amazing work, uh, really great conversations I had out there in Aspen. So really excited to have Melissa on the show to educate, uh, entertain, and engage our listeners on what the Aspen Institute does, and more importantly, what their programs do, especially the Socrates program. Their website is aspeninstitute.org. Real quickly, I want to thank our partners and supporters of Grill Nation. I already mentioned Clifton Alexander, who will be in the studio here in a second from Reactor. But we also have Trust, Bank of Kansas City, Two West Advisors, and Ryan Rink, The Bash Group, Andrew Bash, Catalyst, Danny Pfeiffer, The Rear KC and Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, and Kansas City Power and Light District. Thanks for your support and partnership with the Grill Nation show. Happy to announce, too, that uh, we will be continuing the show for another year. It has been uh, granted another year of airtime, which always makes you happy as a host. So thanks to the folks at 
Intercom, and KMBZ and Talk 980 AM. Okay, let's get going here with our first guest. Actually, real quickly, we're going to talk about another hot topic with Clifton. I didn't mention it, but Clifton Alexander, who is in studio, owner of Reactor Design Studio. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, sir. Um, we just found out, and this show will air on Saturday, but I uh, got a news alert from the Kansas City Business Journal that the Kemp Arena will be renamed Mosaic Arena. Yeah, I think have it's you, pretty cool. Have you read it's, about this I, yet? I just read about it heard about it. I think it's a great partnership when they're wanting to put youth sports into the arena and they have a healthcare and sports physical therapy provided right there on spot. I think it's great. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that how that plays out uh, in Kansas City. You know, you're a branding guy and actually uh, an expert in design and whatnot. So um, I'm sure there'll be some people that will be like, no, we can't change the name. But uh, it'll be interesting. <laughs> I'm fine with it. You know, they're, they're changing the concept of what that arena is. They're completely rebuilding it. It's time to to change, in my opinion. It's you know, it's okay for things to change from time to time. Mm-hmm. I, I think the majority of people in this town that have been here a long time will still call it Kemper Arena. Sure. Um, but having Mosaic's name on there, I think that's a good thing for Mosaic. It's a good thing for the for the company that's running it, and uh, everybody wins. I think it's very interesting because in Kansas City we don't have a, uh, a naming rights partner for the Chiefs or the Royals, right, <clears throat> on their stadiums, mm-hmm. and most NFL teams I think do. I mean, it's a there's very, very few that don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, Green Bay, obviously, I, I think Chicago, Kansas City. I mean, there's not many that don't have naming rights. And it's same a, for baseball. Yeah. I mean, it's a big we, money opportunity for everybody involved. You, know? <laughs> you almost kind of wonder why not. Right. But right. I think we're so ingrained here in Kansas City with those particular names. They mean a lot more to us um, as residents and citizens of this town that, it would be hard, very hard for them to change from Arrowhead and Coffin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Clifton Alexander. So, um, okay, let's talk about the skydiving. You sent me this article. So let's just kind of uh, give us an overview of what, what's going on here. Yeah, so I first found out about it probably Friday. as I saw it on a news article somewhere that uh, this guy was going to be jumping out of an airplane at 25,000 feet, no parachute, no wingsuit, no nothing, and he's going to land in a net. <laughs> and I thought, okay, this must be a very, very large net. Um, turns out the net really wasn't even that big, and the guy was pretty, pretty much crazy. Um, <laughs> it's a, like a third of a football field, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, it's very it like small, thirty thousand square feet. Yeah. And so, if you think about a even a, a Walmart or something, I don't even think is that big. And so, or is is bigger than that. So the 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 net was actually pretty small if you think about it. Um, and he fell from twenty five thousand feet, and this yeah. is in. Simi Valley, <laughs> California. Um, but he had a sponsorship, didn't he? He did, yeah. So Stride Gum was his main sponsor. I think I saw Stride as trying to make a play for some similar types of content that Red Bull and some of these other um, energy drinks or more um, energy-focused companies are trying to do. I don't typically think of Stride Gum as a, a lifestyle brand, um, but that's where they're trying to make their play, and I think it's an interesting play. Um, I think it'll be uh, interesting to see how the metrics square off on this in the long run. Uh, so far, it seems to be pretty good for Stride. They've had, um, I think in an article I saw yesterday, over 500 million impressions so far on this uh, thing. People are talking about it. We're talking about it. Mm. Uh, you that know, many impressions. A, a couple of weeks ago, we wouldn't have been talking about Stride gum at all, like literally at all. And so they're they're starting to make that inroads into being a content provider of things that are more lifestyle brand as opposed to, Hey, we just have a gum that lasts the longest. Mm. 
And this aired on uh, Fox Network. It did. It was on. It was on network TV live. Uh, there's a lot that could go wrong in a situation like that. There had like to that. be a tape delay, right? <laughs> there had to be, right? Uh, they worked on it for a couple of years, I think, uh, which is a, a lot of money to spend on something that could go horribly wrong in, in the end. And um, it, it ended up working out. They did it the right way, and it was pretty spectacular. And uh, the Associated Press wrote that just before climbing into the plane to make the jump, Aiken said that he had been ordered to wear a parachute but indicated he would not open it. As the plane was climbing to 20,000, 5,000 feet above the drop zone, he said the requirement had been lifted and he took off the chute. Yeah, I thought that was a weird thing that they added to the live broadcast was like, now all of a sudden you have to wear the parachute. Nobody told me. I thought that was a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> but then right before he was going to jump, they said, ah, no, never mind. You don't have to wear it. Like, come on. You come know. on, right? I'm not sure what was going through anybody's head with that, just just to mess with it. Or maybe it made the live broadcast a little more interesting is maybe my guess there. Just doing some uh, scripting there, right? Yes. Clifton Alexander, owner of Reactor Design Studio in studio today. Uh, We're going to have him back here for the next segment. I want to talk to him about brainstorming and get into his company after the break on Grill Nation Show. Thanks for listening. Running down the street like your hair's on fire. Thoughts running fast like a man on the wire. Can't stop laughing, but I don't know. I'm going crazy though. TV and the radio been watching since a baby, so I'm representing Casey Mo. Welcome back to the Grill Nation show with Jason Grill here on Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com. Appreciate joining us as well on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and at GrillNationShow.com. We are excited about our show today. We are excited to have back in studio a Contributor to the Grill Nation show, Clifton Alexander, who's the owner of Reactor. Its website is reactorkc.com. It's a creative studio that generates epic brands through the fusion of strategy and design. Epic brands engage people in conversation. See that? That spells epic. Activating brand champions and igniting positive dialogue that will create connections and have a lasting impact. Reactor Design Studio, you can find it at reactorkc.com. So Clifton, again, take us through kind of your business. That's kind of your tagline there. Your 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 yeah, mission be, statement. Be epic. Be so epic. Right? Engage people in conversation. I think that's our biggest thing. Is as we're building brands for people, as we're as we're helping companies and organizations build stronger brands. It's all about engaging people in conversation. And in in the world of that we live in today, we have to be talking both ways with our customers back and forth. It's no longer a thing where we can just spout out whatever we want and people will listen because that's their only option. Mm -hmm. Um, They have the ability to respond and we have the ability to talk back. And so the more that we can engage people in conversation, the stronger our brands will be. So that's really what we focus on in in all aspects of branding, marketing, graphic design, websites, the whole deal. Clifton, um, we talked earlier about the stride gum play which i might go buy a pack of stride gum now i know i, I hadn't thought Supposedly about Supposedly it lasts longer than everything else trident is what i just what i usually chew um <laughs> but uh i'm assuming <laughs> i'm assuming there is stride gum wherever you go right everywhere um everywhere. you sent me an article uh from fast company design or fast company you can find it online at fastcodesign.com uh, the name the title of the article it's a five minute read it's in the evidence section is called brainstorming is dumb Studies show it produces fewer good ideas that when people think on their own, thankfully, there's a better way to work in groups. Now, we've all worked in some capacity or done something where we do a brainstorm 
or a whiteboard session, right? Everybody, yeah. Um, this article is kind of shocking to me because I've never really thought about this. I've never, really, I really have not thought about it uh, from a perspective of yeah. I mean, sometimes you sit in a brainstorm and, you, and maybe not that many good ideas come out of it, but many times it does. It does. I, I you know, we've in our company, we've uh, we've had some amazing brainstorm sessions, so to speak. Uh, I think a whole, I, th- I think it all comes down to how you think of brainstorming, what it is, and what exactly you do with it. I think the classic picture, and there's even a picture in the article of two guys sitting at a table, and they look like they're thinking really, really hard, and they're trying to come up with the best ideas possible. Our our brains just don't work that way. Like they don't, you don't have the ability to just tell your brain come up with a good idea and sit there in a group of people and come up with a better idea. So I think it depends on how you view brainstorming and what exactly that means. For us in our company, we take a lot of the intentionality out of brainstorming and we put it in a different place. We have a a process, I guess you could call it, that we call burritos and brainstorm. Mm. And all that means is we're taking ourselves out of our office. We're going to a lunch spot, which with us is usually burritos or tacos or something like that. Where do you go? And we go to El Camino Real. We go to Sol Cantina. We go to all those different places, right? Those are the good good spots. Motion article. We should write an article for FASCO contributor, burritos and brainstorm. I love it. Let's do it. (laughs) I'm in it. But the idea is when when you're at a place like... El Camino Real and you're waiting on your tacos and you're talking about something and you're actively brainstorming an idea for a client or whatever it is, then you're interrupted by someone taking your drink order and then you're interrupted by the food coming and then you're interrupted by uh, seeing a friend over there in the corner or I know the owner's pretty well so I talked to them for a while. And what happens is over that hour, hour and a half period of time is you're constantly interrupted and I've come to realize and understand that for us as a creative team, the interruptions are the best thing that can happen in a brainstorm because it resets your brain. And like I was saying earlier, you can't just sit there and tell your brain, come up with a good idea, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this is why a lot of the best ideas that people have come when they're in the shower or they're just driving and singing to the radio or whatever because you're not thinking actively about, I have to think of the best idea ever right now. And when you can shut your brain off or when you can turn it on and off like that, especially in a session like eating lunch or having some other distractions around you, I have found personally that some of our best ideas have come out of those types of sessions. Interesting. Yeah. That's real interesting. And let's so get, I disagree with this article. So, so, so the article's pre- premise was that you should do something called brain writing. Right. Uh, which is which is a similar type of concept to what I'm talking mm-hmm. about, where you're you're actively disengaging from the brainstorm process for a period of time and then reengaging it, um, and you're going off into your solo world, writing down your ideas and coming back into the group and talking. I think the bigger premise is about how the in a big group there are certain people that can be dominant. There's things like that where some people might not talk all that much, and so allowing people to self-reflect, I guess, is helpful. So I can see the point of that. For us, I don't know that that would work that great. Um, We do very well in a group setting, I think. might ask my employees that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you're saying, too, like, so, you know, we've done brainstorms together. You you sit there and let's say I throw an idea out there and it's written on the board and we start talking about it. And then everyone in the room is kind of, instead of really talking about their own idea, it's kind of, 
piggybacking off that idea. Right. And it kind of could, it could waterfall, it could snowball, and you could really just focus on that one thing. Mm-hmm. Instead of focusing, Which is true. On, instead of focusing on your own ideas, thinking about it, writing down what you're thinking throughout the right. process. Which is definitely true. However, I think that some of our greatest ideas that we've ever had have come from some small inkling of something that was mentioned 10 minutes ago that clicked to something completely different in my brain because it was something that, that thought through that and ended up completely different place, but it started there. And so that waterfall I think can be very um, helpful as long as you don't go too far or as long as you know how to stop the waterfall, so to speak, from going too far to where you've hit the perfect uh, set of ideas. Um, but I like, I, I will do that too. Even, even in a brainstorming session, I think a lot of us will do that is even while we're in a bigger group, the other day when we were in that bigger group, I was writing down a few ideas while the group was, was mm-hmm. talking. And then at the appropriate time, I can bring up my idea into the group and we'll see if everybody. Well, it's because it's very hard to do all, all the things at once. It is. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's focusing on what people are talking about, you have, you see, if you walk into those, and here's another thing the article talks about. If you walk into those with your ideas already, Mm-hmm. You really want to push those ideas right. in a brainstorm, right? You have your your mindset on it, so maybe you don't open up your mind to others' ideas as much, correct? Uh, with what they're saying, which is more effective. They're saying in the article, write all your stuff down. Either sit in a room with a bunch of people, write all your stuff down, then talk about it. I mean, it's just yeah, I'm guilty of that 100 mm-hmm. percent of yeah. walking into a brainstorm knowing that that I have a great idea already, right? And that's the trap that you can get into is not allowing that process to fully flesh itself out. I think the other premise of the article is that in this sort of hybrid brainwriting, brainstorming, back and forth situations was that the groups of people they tested came up with more ideas, I think per minute or something, how they had that metric um, than in other forms of brainstorming. But as, as you and I talked a little bit earlier, does more ideas mean that there are better ideas? And I, don't, I would say not necessarily. Mm-hmm. I think if you end up, at the end of your day with two or three of the perfect ideas that beats 50 of, of all the craziest, weirdest ideas out there. Yeah. You got to try to always kind of hone it into what two to three ideas. Right. Um, so what, so looking at this article, so what would be your best advice for a business out there listening who has brainstorms often, or what would you say? Would you, would you really just say go to the burritos and, uh, and brainstorm? I mean, that's model? my, that's our classic <laughs> strategy. I love that strategy. I think it works really well. So you're for saying go to a restaurant, people. go to a restaurant. You could, um, and you, you have six, seven, employees. seven, yeah. seven employees yeah. now. So th- that's doable. It's doable. Yeah. Especially if you go to a place like El Camino Real, I mean, a, a lunch is four or $5 a person mm-hmm. company pays for it. The whole thing's 30, 40 bucks. It's, it's no big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. So we can all go together. We can brainstorm the idea. I think the concept is try this out. I, that's my thing with people is always just try it out. Mm-hmm. Try brainstorming. In, a, in an area or a place where you're going to have intentional disruption. And what that does, as I said, is it, it, it resets your brain a little bit and causes you to not think about it, which in turn, for whatever reason, I'm not sure exactly how that is in our brains that it works that way, um, causes us to think of better ideas, a la when we're just in the shower not thinking of stuff. That is so interesting. You really uh, turned it on its head there because mm-hmm. nobody thinks like that. Nobody wants interaction or interruptions. Right. That's the whole idea is you get into a room and everybody how'd you brainstorms come, how'd you decide together. To do that? How, how did that come about? 
It was very, um, it was not intentional. I will tell you this. It was the fact that we really like going to lunch. <laughs> and so we thought, Hey, why don't we go to lunch while we have a project that we really need to come up with some big ideas on. And we started finding out that over time that more and more of our absolute best ideas we've ever had for our clients have come while we've been out at a restaurant eating lunch or getting salsa on our sketchbook because it drops on the, you know, those sorts of things. There's some risks inherent. Yes, there is. And brainstorm. No, this is no, you're, you're, your you're not having a, uh, any alcoholic beverages. At no. No. A lot of people do it over happy hour, right? <laughs> right they'll right. do it. They'll do a you brainstorm do, yeah. at happy hour. That that might be perfect for you. You know, it just depends on what it is. But I, I I just love the idea of of short spurts of brainstorming with interruptions. And really, honestly, this article at the very end, when you read it, they found that the best way to do it and the best scenario is when you are doing essentially that. There's method is a little different, where it's a combination of brainstorming and writing and brainstorming and writing, but it's the same idea. You're, you're constantly interrupting yourself and stopping the process and then getting back into it. Fascinating stuff. Brainstorming is dumb. Check out the article at Fast Company. Uh, Clifton Alexander, owner of Reactor. You can check it out at reactorkc.com. Uh, also, um, he's a regular contributor to the Grill Nation show every month. Really great guy. Great, great website. Great company. Reactorkc.com. Be epic. Check it out. Uh, Clifton, thanks for coming in today. Thank you, Jason. Appreciate it. We'll be right back on Grill Nation. Thanks for listening. First things first, I'm the realest. Realest. Drop this and let the whole world feel it. Let them feel it. And I'm still in the murder business. I can hold you down. I just want to chill. Got a sack for us to roll. Married to the money. Introduced her to my stove. Showed her how to whip and now she remakes it for love. Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation. I'm your host, Jason Grill. Thanks for joining me today on Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com. Appreciate you also connecting with me today on iTunes and TuneIn Radio, as well as on GrillNationShow.com, our website you can find, where you can find all of our guests, all of our photos of our guests. You can also find links to our old shows, more information about the show, and also you can find our partners and supporters, who I want to thank once again before we get into our next segment today. They are Trust, Bank of Kansas City, Two West Advisors, and Ryan Rink. The Bash Group, Andrew Bash is a guest host and contributor. Catalyst, Danny Pfeiffer is a contributor. The Rieger KC, Jay Rieger & Co., Ryan Maybe, guest coasting contributor. And Kansas City Power and Light District, I appreciate all of your support and friendship. And thank you for helping the show continue to grow with great guests throughout the country. You can connect with me on Twitter at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. I'm also available on searchable on Facebook, Snapchat, and Instagram at Jason Grill and at Grill Nation Show. Really excited about our next guest today. I hope you enjoyed our first few segments. Uh, we are very lucky to have on the show uh, a, a person I met a few weeks ago, actually almost a month ago now. Man, time flies. I had the opportunity to attend the Aspen Institute uh, Socrates program, which is a really cool, really crew grouping of people uh, that takes place in Aspen every year in the summer. There's also one in the wintertime. And I was lucky to be accepted into the program and receive a scholarship. And it was truly one of the most uh, greatest weekends of my entire life. I, I learned so much. I met so many great people. Uh, I got to spend an amazing weekend or four days in Aspen, which I had never done before in a beautiful setting, learning, listening, and really kind of uh, talking a lot about different aspects with democracy in the digital age and also got to hear from the great Tom Friedman out there from the New York Times, but really, really exciting um, 
exciting weekend. I've talked about a little bit on the show. But I wanted to kind of uh, go back to the people that put this on, and that's the Aspen Institute. And uh, very lucky to have on the show today Melissa Engber, who's the vice president of policy programs. She's the director of the Stevens uh, Initiative, uh, International Partners, and the Socrates Program at the Aspen Institute. So she was she was kind of the, the leader of the weekend at the Aspen Institute uh, a few weeks ago in Aspen when I went through the Socrates Program. Melissa, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you, Jason. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. So uh, first off, uh, let's get into kind of what your role is at the Aspen Institute. And then if you could tell us a little bit about it, uh, maybe your mission uh, at the Aspen Institute, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for coming out to Aspen and joining us for the Socrates program. We we loved having you with us. And um, the mission around the Aspen Institute and the, and the program itself is to bring terrific young leaders like yourself together in conversation. We're, uh, we've been doing this for about 65 years as part of the Aspen Institute, bringing people from around the country and now internationally together in Aspen to have cross-disciplinary conversations around values on um, all kinds of topics that are facing the country and and globally. And uh, the Socrates program was started 20 years ago. As you know, we celebrated our 20th anniversary this summer um, where we were able to bring in a younger cohort. Um, our program focuses roughly about the 28 to 45 age range, um, which includes millennials and others. Um, to come together in expert-moderated conversation like the one that you experienced. Mm -hmm. And um, really, we tried to bring about new ideas in the process. And so we focus on education, leadership, and um, really exchange of ideas in the process. That's awesome. So again, the Aspen Institute is an educational and policy studies organization. It's based in Washington, D.C. Its mission is to foster leadership based on enduring values and to provide a nonpartisan venue for dealing with critical issues. Uh, as you mentioned, the Aspen Institute has a campus in uh, Aspen, Colorado, obviously, but there's also other ones uh, throughout the country. You guys do events uh, all over the place now, right? It's not just in Aspen. We do. So the Institute itself is based, um, as you said, our headquarters are here in Washington, and we do our convenings in a number of different places. We do have a campus in Aspen, which is beautiful, and I recommend all who can come come to visit us there. We also have one here in uh, near Washington uh, on the Chesapeake and why um, Maryland. And so we do events in both spaces, but also around the country. We have um, over 30 policy programs that focus on um, events, uh, issues such as environment, health, education, um, a wide range of really interesting convenings. And so our mission for the, each of those programs is really to bring together um, leaders in each of those uh, areas and to come together and explore ideas thoughtfully in those kinds of environments and often off-the-record type of conversations so that people can feel free to explore them. And the Socrates program does exactly that with um, ex- with experts who are deep in knowledge in a range of issues like the ones that you experience often mm-hmm. in technology, entrepreneurship, also in other issues that are covered by our policy programs like health and education, renewable energy, um, a, a, a wide range of issues and also um, international issues. We focus on emerging markets um, and in regional studies as well. Yeah, you guys are. Um, and it's really cool to look at your mission on the website, which is aspeninstitute.org. 
You know, you mentioned three key areas, ideas, leadership, and action. Ideas that spark intellectual increase and exchange, connecting new concepts to timeless values. Leadership, creating a diverse worldwide community of leaders committed to the greater good. And action, providing a nonpartisan forum for reaching solutions on vital public policy issues. So not only, excuse me, not only did you get, you know, do you get people together to talk about these world issues uh, and kind of flip them on their head. You also are building uh, the future leaders. And I, I have to tell you, since I was out there, uh, I was doing some other work uh, in Little Rock. I met one of your, your uh, Riddell fellows out there uh, who's a state legislator. I mean, the, now everywhere I go, I, I usually run into somebody who's, who's touched uh, part of the Aspen Institute. And being in the Midwest, you know, that's something I want to encourage all of our listeners to to get involved because I'll tell you this, Aspen is not that far away from uh, Kansas City, Missouri. I mean, it really isn't. And uh, a lot of people from Kansas City go to Denver a lot. Um, but, but you know, I mean, there's so many great things you guys are doing and there's so many opportunities to get involved. I mean, just looking at the website, there's so many events, there's so many seminars, there's so many international events, there's so many conferences, there's so many leadership initiatives. And I, I've been I've been blown away with um, with the amount of people that have been through something at the Aspen Institute in the last 65 years. That's great. I mean, and I'm, I'm glad to hear that. There are a number of terrific fellowship programs, like the one you mentioned, the Riddell Fellowship Program, which is for those in public office. Uh, we have other types of dedicated fellowships, too. The Crown Program, which is an extraordinary um, fellowship for entrepreneurs. We have new fellowships now in uh, health and in finance as well. Uh, we have a First Movers Program for those who are uh, working with corporations. So there are a number of different ways to get involved with Aspen, particularly for young leaders. Um, and Socrates is one of the few public programs that we offer. We also have things, uh, you were there in Aspen just after the Ideas Festival, which is sort of our mm-hmm. most uh, visible Yeah, program. that is very visible now. I mean, <laughs> I'm seeing it all over the news. You guys were, the media presence was amazing. You guys had some pretty big people come out for that, didn't you? We do, and we also just conclude, we have a number of forums that uh, uh, other featured for us throughout the summer, including, we just wrapped up, I believe, the uh, Aspen Security Forum, we had an Energy and Environment Forum, and uh, my colleague, who I think you just took his seminar, Charlie Firestone, just wrapped up an Artificial Intelligence Forum. So there are a number of offerings, there are topics for all to explore, and um, Socrates is a great way for those who want to try the Aspen Institute for the first time. As you said, we do offer seminars twice a year in Aspen, but we're also, um, we have salons or shorter term programs that we offer around the country. So mm-hmm. we have one coming up in New York, for example, on inclusion in business um, in New York in November, and we'll ha- be going to San Francisco and Los Angeles later this year. And we also have international offerings, as you said. We have, we're very lucky, and I'm very lucky to work with our 10 international partners. So we have seven in Europe, one in Mexico, India, and and in Japan, and uh, the Socrates program has also worked with the international partners to offer our seminars internationally. So we have one coming up in November in Mexico and another in Kiev, which we just launched this year. Wow. We're talking to Melissa Imger, who's with the Aspen Institute. She's the vice president and director of the Stevens Initiative International Partners in Socrates program at the Aspen Institute. Melissa, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that you were a graduate of the Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, back in the day, right? That's you have right. some Missouri. You, have, you touched down in Missouri a little bit in the Midwest. I know you've been on the East Coast since then. Uh, but what was that experience like for you uh, going to college in, in Missouri and in St. Louis at WashU? 
Fantastic. And I'm actually a Southerner. I'm from New Orleans originally, so uh, going to St. Louis and the Midwest was a wonderful experience. And I, I love the beautiful Midwest and how nice and wonderful people are there. And as you said, it's uh, very close to Aspen. We hope to get more and more Midwestern participation in Aspen. We get a lot from Chicago, which is where... Um, the Aspen Institute, by the way, was founded by a group from Chicago and from Walter Pepke, who came, a businessman who came originally from Chicago to Aspen to help both found the institute and the, the town of Aspen itself. So, um, yes, there are deep roots and deep connections to the region, um, both for the organization and for me personally. <laughs> this is, and I got to sit with Melissa at the first dinner uh, the first night. And in, in the next segment, we're going to bring Melissa back. We're going to talk to her and go through the weekend of what you experienced at a Socrates program weekend, kind of what I experienced after the break. But I got to say with Melissa, I mean, it was it was really cool to just just have an instant connection with you with with the Missouri thing. And I know that we have some your your significant other it has mutual friends of mine. It's just it's so random how these these collisions when you go to these conferences uh, kind of there's so many different connections, especially in a room like that, and uh, it was really cool to to do that. You have a a very strong background and have worked in you know in tons of different organizations, and you were at the, the State Department for a while. I mean, it's just it's just great to meet people like you, and it's great. And I hope that more Midwestern folks will get involved with the Aspen Institute uh, and, and check it out at aspeninstitute.org. Right back after the break with more with Melissa Ingber from the Aspen Institute. I want to talk about more about the Socrates program and what you would experience if you went out there for the program. We'll be right back on Girl Nation. Thanks for listening. I turn the music up. I got my records on. I shut the world outside until the lights come up. Maybe the streets. What if I had your Hello and welcome back to Grill Nation with Jason Grill on Talk 980 AM and Talk980AM.com. Appreciate you joining us today. If you're listening via 980 AM, I appreciate it on the Saturday. If you're you're connecting with us uh, further down the road on iTunes, I appreciate you listening there. And I also appreciate you joining us today at or excuse me, at GrillNationShow.com, where you can find all of our old pod, podcast shows, guests, everything is on GrillNationShow.com. I want to continue our conversation with the Amazing Melissa Ingber, who is from the Aspen Institute, which I was lucky enough to go to. And I'll tell you what, when it's 100 degrees here in Kansas City uh, the week before, going out to Aspen for four days of, of deep conversation, learning, uh, outdoor activities, uh, waking up to 60 to 55 to 60 degrees and getting up to 75, 80 was, was a very good change of pace. And Melissa, I know you're out in D.C. where you get the same amount of humidity we do here in Missouri, but... Uh, what an amazing experience. I want to talk to you about our the Socrates program. So just to take our listeners through it, you arrive on a Friday, and you're kind of just thrown right in there with all the different people at that point. I mean, it's it's, it's a very fast-paced weekend, isn't it? That's right. It is. It's a quick weekend, but it, hopefully, it's uh, it's 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 nourishing both for the body and mind. Um, we try to do a nice combination of time in the classroom and really outside to give all of our extraordinary participants time to get to know each other. Because you know, really, the, the reason people people keep coming back to the program year after year is that it changes with who the participants are. It's you know, I, I'd like to think that it's because of the only because of the stellar moderators that we provide mm-hmm. um, and the amazing seminars 
members, but truly the participants are as much a part of um, the experience being a positive one as anything else. And so, as you said, we start on a Friday night and people come in from all over the world. We have, by the way, a network of over 5,000 people who have participated in our seminars now. And in the summer, we offer five seminars, about 20 people each in a roundtable. Each of them are, are sort of closed-door private roundtables. So we get um, a total of 100 people together from all over the world. I think we had 16 countries participating in this last one and over 55 cities. So it's, as you said, you get a really wide variety of people in the room. And we start out with um, a conversation where everybody gets to meet the five moderators for the weekend. So often the hardest choice you have to make for the weekend is which seminar you're yes. going to take. Yes, that's um, for sure. And you get readings in advance. So once you're committed, you're committed. But uh, you at least get to hear from the other moderators. So, for example, this summer we had you know Eric Liu talking about citizenship, Robin Wright talking about the new Middle East, um, Charlie Firestone on digital democracy, and Lee Haffrey on lessons of military leadership. And you know it's just they're they're all great food for thought and um, ways to explore different topics. And then we uh, offer seminars in the morning in the in the summer so that we can uh, take advantage of the, the good weather in the afternoon. And then um, there, the afternoon offerings are uh, white water rafting, hiking, biking, and groups of participants mix themselves and decide what they're going to do in the afternoons. And they share the experiences uh, that they've had in their seminars in the morning. So you actually do get to hear what's happening in the other seminars. And and then we've, over the years, you know, sort of acquired some other ways to get people to know each other. We've done a little bit of speed networking, too, um, which gives people an opportunity to get do a little bit deeper dives. And then in the evenings, we have private dinners um, in different people's homes or in restaurants where uh, we really leave that to more informal networking time. But occasionally, we do um, some wonderful – we we are uh, – lucky enough to have some speakers who want to share either their recent books or um, ideas with us. So we had uh, last weekend, for example, uh, last month we had Robin Wright share her history with us um, as a journalist in the Middle East and how her career started, which was a fascinating story and is also on our website for those who want to take a look at it. Um, and then, as you mentioned before, we had the wonderful Tom Friedman um, interviewed by Walter Isaacson talking about um, his upcoming book, Thank You for Being Late, and uh, a very interesting time to be talking about ahead of the election what all was going on there. So that video, too, is also on our website. Very interesting conversation. And I, in the Democracy and Digital Age, also got an extra hour with Tom Friedman. Uh, Charlie Files Firestone set that up for us, which was an added benefit of my uh, picking of the Democracy and the Digital Age seminar, which it, it is very hard to decide. And like like Melissa was saying, I mean, this is this kind of felt like I was going a little bit uh, going back to, to law school here. You know, it, it is called the Socrates program. So it is the Socrates kind of method, kind of light. But you you really interact. It's very communicative. You have to talk. Uh, you can't just sit there and take notes. I mean, you are interacting during these seminars from eight to noon with people from all over the world. And, uh, you know, and if you're not talking, uh, the moderator will call on you <laughs> and bring you in. That's so. right. It's a little bit. I mean, we do. Uh, it, it's a leadership exercise. We want everybody who makes that that great effort to get to Aspen to be with us to uh, ensure that they are heard and that they explore more deeply what they've been thinking about, and at the very least, get exposed to you know a couple other ideas on how to look at the same issue, um, so that when they leave, they come out with the either reaffirmation of their own views going in, or perhaps uh, you know have changed their their views to some extent. And uh, it really is a great opportunity to get people uh, in the hot seat, as it were. <laughs> and Democracy in a Digital Age, uh, that was one of the first seminars. It was an update. It was it happened 20 years ago when you first started the program. 
And it really was interesting because it focused on new information, new technology, uh, distinguishing democracies, uh, people's voting. It also talked about data and privacy. We got into that. You know, there were so many interesting uh, conversations. And for me, I'm more of a uh, boots-on-the-ground kind of guy. So I think it was interesting for people to hear from my perspective from being in politics, just kind of like this is what really happens with elections and, 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 and legislatures. And then it was really interesting to hear from other people who are much more smarter than me, some of the people in that room, which were talking about theories and policies. And the cool thing was there's people from all over the, the world that were there and from major corporations and also people who, you know, have started their own companies, are uh, venture capitalists. I mean, it was just the, the amount of the, the best thing I could say about the Aspen Institute, besides the beautiful nature of it, is just the amount of people from different walks of life who have all been fairly uh, successful and just 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 so nice and gracious and just it's such a good atmosphere to to talk and you never felt like people were gonna yell at you or whatever get mad at you based on your opinion and what you were saying in the room it's just pretty cool i mean i i just that doesn't happen there's not many times in life where you can just do that kind of thing and actually have takeaways from it Thank you. Well, that's exactly, you, you seem to capture the spirit exactly. That's what it's all about. And, and really, that's, I mean, just a, a nod and a note to the founders, Gary and Laura Lauder. I mean, they founded this program just like you did. They took Charlie's seminar. It was part of a, a different offering under his communications and society program, and they loved it. And they looked around, and they saw, you know, everybody around them was sort of at past retirement age. And this was when the Internet age was just coming of age. Um, you know, they lived in Silicon Valley, and their their friends and colleagues were people who really were the pioneers of the Internet age. So they started their own program called the Socrates Program because it uses the Socratic method of, of asking questions. And uh, they we were very successful in bringing people out there, first one seminar at a time, and now we've expanded to, you know, over 15 events per year and, and this enormous network of, of people from around the world to come together to have these kinds of quality conversations that you're talking about. And what's exciting about it is, we hope, is not just um, what you experience in, Af- in Aspen itself, but afterwards. Um, as you mentioned, Jason, I mean, a lot of this is about new ideas and then putting ideas into action. And we've been so lucky to have many of our Socrates alumni over the years go on to work together, hire each other mm-hmm. on each other's boards, yeah. put each other on each other's boards. We had a group who participated in an energy program that then started their own solar energy company here in Washington. We had another seminar on democratic demographic shifts and, and population movements who then we had a Senate staffer who attended that and then took a bill to the Senate floor based on the knowledge from that. Uh, we had a Tanzanian parliamentarian who came and really enjoyed a seminar on the middle class and went back and started a shea butter company to help specifically with a focus on bringing people into the middle class and created Amazing. thousands of jobs around it. So, you know, these are the kinds of things where, you know, a, a wonderful weekend hopefully turns into something longer lasting and and friendships and and um, wonderful ideas that have lasted for beyond the one-time experience. For sure. Well, Melissa Ingber, I thank you for coming on Grill Nation Show. Uh, more information about the Aspen Institute is at aspeninstitute.org. Keep up all the good work at the Aspen Institute in Washington, D.C., and I hope I uh, get to see you again soon, and we'll definitely have uh, other people from the Aspen Institute on the show from time to time, so I appreciate you coming on today. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Jason. It was great to meet you, and thank you for having me on the show. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening to Grill Nation. We'll see you again next week. Have a good one.